Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kelly. I was thinking very hard during that one because I was trying to decide if I would do it differently because this is the last normal episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew of 2022. Wow. And I wasn't just yawning right before the intro. You're right. You were yawning during the intro. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what can I say? I'm a sleepy girl. It's the end of the year. I've had a long year. Ready for some rest. An R&R. Some rest and relaxation. I'm ready for some R&G. Rest and gaming. Oh. You thought I was going to say random number generator, didn't you? I kind of was, but I also didn't know how you were going to tie it into what we were talking about. So... It's a good thing that's not what you said. I'm very curious because like last year, well, I guess technically this year, our first normal episode of the year was like a catch-up episode. And I swear I played like 15,000 video games over just the course of like December 15th to January 10th or whenever we came back last year. And, and I'm looking at like what I got to do over the next couple of weeks and like what I have planned. And I'm like, when am I going to play that many games? Like, how am I going to reach 15,000 games played for our fun catch-up episode? Yeah. To be fair, we were locked down a little bit tighter last year. Yeah. Than I we are so. this year. I um, suppose so. But who knows? Who knows? You know. I have a few things planned. I've got a few things in my back pocket. And a few things in my front right pocket. And a few things in my front left pocket. Why are your pockets so full? (laughs) Because I've got quite a few things. Okay. You know who else has lots of things? In their pockets? Uh, In their pockets, in their... Their belt? Utility belt? Utility belt, in their box that they carry around, their toolbox, in their uh, warehouses. Amazon. Oh. Amazon has lots of things. Okay. That wasn't really what I was going for, but... I didn't know what you were going for, hence why I was trying really, really, really hard to, like, skirt it back into the direction I was... I was going to say Lara Croft has a lot of things in her utility belt. <gasps> that makes so much more sense. Okay, <laughs> hang on. Roll it back. Okay, okay. You know who else has lots of things in their pockets? Who? Lara Croft, the Tomb Raider. What? Uh, And guess what? You know Amazon with the warehouses? Yeah, Mr. Jeff... Jeffrey? Jeffrey? Bezos? Jeffrey is making, well, correction, he's publishing a new Tomb Raider game. So this is still Crystal Dynamics. It's still going to be part of the reboot series that we've had three games in so far. But the next game will be published by Amazon Games. Um, I have thoughts. They're not great, so I'll let you go first, because I feel like yours will probably be less pessimistic than mine. Maybe. Um, who was the publisher before? Square Enix. Remember, because they got bought out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's interesting. I don't really think Amazon Games has a lot under their belt. Aren't they making, like, like a vampire survival game or something? I don't know. I feel like they're just kind of pulling the the move of buying games. Like they're publishing because they're not 
making this. And we already knew about this game. That's the weirdest part. So I don't even know. No, is, they're not they're not prolific by any stretch. So this is the fourth Tomb Raider game in the reboot, right? Because it was yeah, yeah, Tomb Raider, was... Rise of the Tomb Raider. And Shadow of the Tomb Shadow Raider. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I only played the 2013 Tomb Raider reboot, which I really enjoyed. But uh, yeah, I don't know about this. This is a little bit strange. What it's, are your thoughts on it? It's so confusing to me because part of the Embracer acquisition of Square Enix the Western Square Enix branch was specifically getting the IP for Tomb Raider. So why are why is somebody else publishing? Why is this not Embracer published? It feels very that's so weird to me. And it feels like one conglomerate just being like, hey, a larger conglomerate, you can you can borrow this thing. And I think there's enough conglomerates in video games. We don't need Amazon stepping in and being like Actually, now we're publishing things you do care about. Yeah, definitely an interesting direction. I'm not really sure what the like public reception to the reboot has been other than the first one people enjoyed, but I didn't know <clears throat> what the reaction was to Rise and Shadow. I know it sold drastically on un- Shadow with a hedgehog. Well, I know that yeah, Shadow, Shadow the, Hedgehog, the Hedgehog, the Tomb Raider. The Tomb Raider. <laughs> Shadow the Hedgehog of the Tomb Raider. I know it sold way less than they expected because Square Enix, uh, Square Enix's Western branch tended to way overhype what they expected from sales. But that's all I basically know about this new series. And that she's in Fortnite. I did know that. She's I've hitting been... the gritty as we speak. Right now, somewhere. In, um... Um... I don't know the new maps at all. There's only one map. The new map. I don't know the new map at all. I have been playing Fortnite a lot over the past couple of weeks. We don't need to talk about that too much because I am ashamed of that. Um, it's fun, but... Oh, but no build mode is fun. What's the castle called? I don't. I don't know the names of anything. Oh, okay. I play alone, so like I don't have to communicate about where I'm going. So I don't know the names of anything. I just run. I don't look at the map. I just run. You don't hit the gritty and then run. No, I don't. I don't hit. Um, I don't hit anybody except my opponents with some gnarly shots. Oh wow! I've won some games. I got the Doom Slayer now. That's good. Don't judge me. I have not spent real money. I just have like gathered enough V bucks over the course of my playing on and off that I could afford the battle pass without paying real money. So I got the battle pass. He's lying, listeners. Why would I? What a weird thing to lie about that would be. <laughs> I bought the Doom Slayer for him as a early Christmas gift. You, Kelly, now you're lying, and I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> call you out because you can't even buy the Doom Slayer. Oh, you I bought the only game get pass, it. the Battle Pass. <laughs> I, I don't even know on. where I am. Everybody's okay? gonna get mad at you. You need to run from this story. <laughs> We're not even no. talking about Fortnite or Tomb Raider anymore. We're just talking about Fortnite. That's true. Fortnite's fun to talk about. Okay. Is Spider Man in Fortnite? He is the Tom okay. Holland version. Okay. I think, well, it doesn't matter. Um, Spider-Man 2 was given a fall 2023 release window. Uh, That's exciting. A window is better than no window. A window is better than a closed door. Um, Unfortunately, it's also in the fall. But I guess this was kind of expected. I mean, if it was in the spring, we probably would have seen more of it by now. Yeah. 
I was um, so ready for like a trailer or something during this specifically during the month of December. My brain was like, there's going to be a trailer. It's going to be at the Game Awards or after the uh, what's the new Spider-Verse called? Into the Spider-Verse? Oh, Across yeah. the Spider-Verse? Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. I thought when they revealed that trailer that shortly after we'd also see a trailer for Spider-Man 2, but I guess not. Maybe they're That'd saving the marketing. That'd be a lot of Spider-Man. I think they might be saving the marketing till closer to the release of that game because that's a really good cross-promotion tool. Yeah, plus it's, it's I mean, it's it's huge, so I think it'll be. It's going to be easy to market. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they did the same thing with God of War Ragnarok where they waited till the last like couple months to start marketing it, mm-hmm. and I thought that was super weird at the time, and then, you know, I was like, maybe God of War is going to come out unfinished, and here it came out like, it's pretty finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's got a nice little bow on it. It's got a nice bow on it, just like the present that Microsoft brought to Sony, wrapped nice bow on top, ready to be given, Call of Duty subscription service offer. Microsoft went to PlayStation and said, if we acquire Activision and you don't fight, we will agree to include Call of Duty on your subscription service. So that would be PlayStation Plus Premium, I presume. Or extra, I don't know, just not the base one. And Sony turned it down. This is kind of an unfinished report, you know, there's a lot of blurry details, and it's something we'll never truly know the nature of unless these documents come out in court. Um, we talked a tiny bit about this last week as because it was breaking like minutes into like during our recording it started breaking, so I didn't want to give an unfinished report. But um this is wild to me because Sony is so petty about like the Activision acquisition, that they're, like, being offered a really nice deal, 10 years, presumably, of Call of Duty included for free on PlayStation Plus, which would definitely pull people into, one, PlayStation Plus, and two, it would keep people in the ecosystem that maybe were thinking of leaving for Game Pass, you know, which would include Call of Duty, obviously. But they turned it down, and I wonder if it's because they want the residuals from selling games, or if they're just, like, so angry that they're like no we're gonna turn down every deal because we genuinely think you're gonna lose this this like court case against sony and the ft and the ftc yeah i imagine they don't want i i imagine that it's it's like that it is just a conflict of interest so to speak and they don't want anything to do with microsoft right now it's really peculiar I don't know. The situation feels like it's been playing out for 50 years now. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I I don't know if they could, maybe they just don't see the financial like through line, even though having Call of Duty on premium plus or premium is, would be like a huge boon for them. It's also like, I think people generally who play Call of Duty probably buy it anyway do you know what i mean maybe they just don't see the financial like they don't think it's worth it because if you're playing it on if you're playing it on playstation you're playing it on playstation and you'll do it for money you won't you don't i mean we'll never know how it would work out since it didn't happen you know yeah the girls are fighting (laughs) um 
Andrew, have you ever wanted to go to the land of Mario and Luigi and uh, Yoshi? Yes. Okay, well, I have good news for you. Because Universal Studio Hollywood has announced that Super Nintendo World is opening on February 17th, uh, 2023. So that's about two months from now. Are you telling me that my Christmas gift is that you're going to take me to Hollywood so that we can see this? Uh, is that what I said? Sorry, did I misinterpret? <laughs> Just kidding. This would be fun. Um, but yeah, this was announced a couple days ago. Um, there is already a Super Nintendo World in Japan. Uh, but this is new for the United States. Um, there is going to be an AR Mario Kart ride. Um, there's going to be a Toadstool Cafe and then a Heck merchandise yeah. store. I imagine there's going to be lots of fun characters to meet. Um, it is not going to have Yoshi's Adventure Ride, which they do have in Japan. But Crap. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but they are also, they also said that they are planning on doing a Super Nintendo World in Florida, Universal Florida, uh, which would be better because it's a shorter trip for us people up here in the north. It's definitely a lot more affordable. Not that it's affordable, but it's more affordable. <laughs> yeah, but the downside is you have to... Uh, uh, never Florida. I don't want to insult our Florida listeners. <laughs> Florida sucks. Sorry. It's just so hot and you get sunburnt really easily. Um, it is cool seeing the alligators, but there's lots of bugs. Yeah. But there are little lizards too, which is cool. Anyway, uh, this is exciting. I would love to go someday. Uh, I'll go when it's in Florida. We'll go. We'll go as a team. Yeah, we'll expense it to the company. Credit card. <laughs> to the company credit card. <laughs> Can I get a company credit card and then just not pay for it because <clears throat> I'm not the company, I'm me? I think you might get in trouble with that, but I won't stop you. It's your right as an American to do whatever you want. Okay. Well, and then I'll go to choose, jail for it. I'll open a company credit card and uh, we'll figure it out, you know? It's not like anybody else relies on us for for publicity or, or sponsorship or anything. Yeah, certainly not any esports organizations out of Pittsburgh, right? No, not a, none of the. <laughs> I don't know any. I don't know any of those. Actually, I do. Oh. Uh, have you ever heard of Century? Oh, the, yeah. Oh, I love those guys. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know them. You know Century. Um, and this week they wanted to send you all the best and wish you a happy holidays. The audience can't see you pointing. Well, I pointed, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were very nice and very kind enough to say that they look forward to a new year of talking games. Um, and we want to say thank you, Sentry, for an awesome year of co-sponsorship. Uh, we were lost without you. We were unmoored at sea without you. Um, and having your co-sponsorship has grounded us and has made us whole. <laughs> so thank you Sentry I really wanted you to lead into like a Sonic joke because it's all I I tortured Sentry with those for the last what six months yeah I'm sorry I don't have any I I already made my my one Sonic joke allotted for this episode so yeah that shadow one was pretty funny sorry Sentry that we wasted our good Sonic joke on, on Tomb Raider and not you 
<laughs> Sorry, guys. thank you, thank you, Sentry, for me as well. We both appreciate you greatly. I do more, but oh. <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly. Sorry. Here's the deal, Kelly. Here's the deal. Okay, 2023 is right around the corner. We're both very ex- well. I'm very excited. Are you very excited? Yeah. Why don't we take a minute, give the audience a treat, and have our 2022 Game of the Year special? I started capping to the rhythm, and then you, and then you stopped singing. Well, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, here's the deal. We have a list of nominees for Game of the Year 2022. Um, every game on Kelly's list is also on my list. I have a couple more games th- than <laughs> Kelly this year. It's a bit um, of an understatement. I, uh, we don't have to put the number out there. <laughs> but I, I do have 15 nominees for Game of the Year. Did I count that right? Uh, I don't know. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. 16 nominees for Game of the Year. Kelly has less than that. I have three. Okay, Kelly has three. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kelly played a lot of games. Not all of them came out this year. Kelly played a lot of games that uh, came out in like 2014, 2015, 2016, 2020. I feel like like once, you know, I have like a a breath between games that I talk about, you should just hop in and be like, hey, shout out to Skyrim. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to shout out Skyrim. Nobody's ever heard of that game. Not because people haven't heard of it. Just to say what you played this year that you liked, even though. You didn't. It didn't come out this year. Okay. Uh, so we'll just do. This is going to be kind of like a remember this game situation. I'll go through my list, talk about all the games that I'm nominating, get y'all excited, make you wonder what's going to win, and uh, sort of do a mini review. Remember how I felt about the game at the time and how I feel about it now. Obviously, all of these games I like a lot because they're all in my nominees. There are other games I played that came out this year that aren't on my nominations list, and those games stink. They're dumb. No, they're not. They're good games. Um, I'm going to start real quick. I guess it is 17. I'm going to start with the game I finished like two days ago. Sifu. I have not talked about this game on the show because, again, I finished it two days ago. It is a third-person action game where you are a karate master who's looking to avenge your deceased father. So you're going after five members of this organization to kill them. To get to those members, you have to fight through hordes of kung fu trained masters. It is blisteringly difficult. It hurts a lot to play. Um, And the mechanic is that every time you die in the game, you can instantly jump back up, but you go up in age. So your character gets older and older and older as you fail more. Um, And it gets exponential if you continue to fail a lot. You'll go up, instead of going up one year, you'll go up two years. If you fail again, you'll go up three years now. You fail again, 
four and up to five years at once. So like when I was doing very poorly, I would die like three times in a row and go up 15 years. And you go up till 75 and then you lose. You got to start the whole game over or you could start back from the beginning of that level at whatever age you started at. Um, I liked it a lot. The visual style was really cool. The combat does flow really nicely. Uh, my biggest problem with this game, and I, I sent out a tweet about this, so you may have heard, is that the, the difficulty is normal mode is very hard. And then I, I tried easy mode. And easy mode is way easier. It gets rid of the like rising death count mechanic. So instead of it going up exponentially, it just only goes up at one of a uh, rate of one which means you have essentially 70 or 50 tries through the game. And that's way too forgiving. And sometimes the enemy AI would just kind of stand there and let you beat them up. So I kind of wish there was like a more modular difficulty setting, like maybe like, oh, make parries a little easier because I'm struggling with that specifically. Because that was my biggest thing is the parry mechanic is so unforgiving that I had a lot of trouble with it. And I turned down the difficulty and everything changed, not just the parrying. But I like the game a lot. Very much worth playing. Um, I got it for my library. If you have a means of getting this game, perhaps temporarily, that is a really good way to play it. So that's my first nominee, Sifu. Wow. It wasn't on the list, so I guess I did have 17. Sorry, Kelly. That's okay. My second nominee for Game of the Year is Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I didn't know what to expect from this game. I don't like the second game very much, but I love the first, and I thought the remaster they did of the first game semi-recently, what was that, 2020? Yeah. That was really good. So I didn't know if I was going to enjoy this one, but I absolutely did. I thought that the combat was super fun. The world design is absolute peak. That's one of Monolith Soft's best, uh, best things that they do. They work a lot on like Zelda games as well, doing open world design. So they definitely know what they're doing. The story, especially in the latter chunk, is incredible. I really did love this game, and I loved its characters. Um, it's one of those games where like, I probably will eventually forget most of the biggest plot beats, but I'll never forget like how I felt about those characters and the, the relationships that they had with each other. And that's really something special that you don't get very often, because games, you know, came, games come and go. They leave your mind. You'll forget what happened in them. But to be able to know, like, I will always remember Noah and Mio, the two main characters, and, like, how they were with each other, that's really exciting. And I'm looking forward to whatever Monolith Soft has next. So congratulations to that game on its nomination. <gasps> Kelly, what's next on my list? What's next on Andrew's list is a game we both played about Woo! a tiny, tiny little cat in a big scary world there were robots there were little bugs there were aliens there were eyeballs there was some cosmic horror unexpectedly a little game called stray Woo! Ow. that's what the cat <laughs> says Ow. Mow. Mow. now you sound like my cat <laughs> when he's upset <laughs> Aw, this is how Cookie sounds when she's upset. She goes, ow, ow. <laughs> now you sound like the cat from Stray. <laughs> um, I loved Stray. Andrew, how did you feel about Stray? I really liked what they designed with it. I thought the world design was particularly good. Um, 
Like this, the world that they had was so cohesive, and I really appreciated the art style. Um, I thought the gameplay was like uh, extremely straightforward, but that served what it was pretty well. It was less about the story and less about the gameplay, and more about just like soaking in this incredibly uh, like ambient world. It feels like I was living in a lo-fi video for like four hours, if that makes sense. <laughs> that's that's a really good way to describe it. And I, it's like a lo-fi synth wave, you know? Yeah. Like the amount of neon that's, like you're surrounded by neon, especially in the latter half. Like, this is not a spoiler, but Kelly, didn't you freaking love the second major city environment with all of the neon that you go to? Yes, I did. I felt, I, you know what I really liked about this game is I felt like it presented itself as sort of this like cyberpunkian like, Oh, your little cat in the big world, but then you play it and you get to certain sections and it's very like atmospheric. It's very spooky. It's like unexpectedly creepy, but it makes sense because you're a little cat and it's like a lot of things would be scary to a little cat. I mean, a lot of things here would be scary to anybody, but it's amplified because you're a little tiny cat, you know? Yeah. And I love games that are like surprisingly scary. That's why I love Bloodborne. It's like, you think you're in like werewolves in London and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, no. Surprise. That's how I felt about Stray too. It was like, uh, no. Surprise. So I enjoyed Can that. we hack Bloodborne so the protagonist is actually the cat from Stray? Ugh, I wish. I'm sure. I'm sure it's possible. Those Bloodborne modders, they're, well, they're, they're not determined really folk. modders, but. They 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 do they crack it and then they do all this weird stuff to it. I'm sure, they yeah. could put the stray cat in there. Let's ask them. Okay, I'll, I get I'll get them on the line. Well, while I wait for you to get them on the line, I'll jump into my next entry for Game of the Year nominee: Pokemon Legends Arceus. Arceus, Arceus. How I many think times? Arceus. I think it's different every time, and they wanted us to. Like, I say it different every time, and I don't even remember what I said last time. I really loved what this game did to the Pokemon formula. Uh, don't get me wrong, I liked Scarlet quite a bit, but I think Legends just had something special for me specifically because my favorite part of Pokemon is always filling the decks, and this game does that completely perfectly in a lot of ways. It's basically just a giant checklist game. And I think the world was really well made. Um, it kind of came at a perfect time where this was a, what I was in the mood for. And that's why I acknowledge that maybe this game is, maybe it's not as good as Scarlet Violet. And also maybe it's not perfect. But because of the time that it came out, it ended up serving me really well. And I like, I love, this game feels nostalgic for me now, which is crazy. It's one of those games that feels nostalgic less than a year out. Um, and it also is surprising because like this, I don't, want to say anything bad about January video games in general, but a game like this getting shuffled to January instead of a November release date, it could be concerning. Like, is this... Uh, they put out Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl as a holiday title, and then they push this to January, and I'm like, ooh. If that... If you were more confident in, in Diamond and Pearl remakes, why is... Like, what's going to be... What is this game going to be, you know? But I don't think that they thought too hard about that scheduling. I think it just happened to be January. So I loved this game. I really appreciated what it did for Pokemon. 
My biggest thing is I pray that they learn from the best parts of this game for what comes next. And I know I've said that a lot with like Scarlet Violet as well, but that's really how I feel about this game. I feel like it was an amazing start point. Did you, you, you did not finish this game, correct? You just played it. I just played it. Um, I enjoyed it. I didn't, I kind of didn't feel as compelled as you because catching Pokemon is never my like favorite part of Pokemon games. I like sort of building up my team. Um, like I only catch, I'm very picky. Um, but I can understand the appeal of this game. And I think it was cool that you could like, it just felt like a different arena because you get in and then you, and you start exploring and all of a sudden you're like running from Stantlers and stuff or the Stantler equivalent and, uh, or a bear. Yeah. Or a bear or a bear. So it's kind of interesting and it felt a little more, I don't, I won't say the writing felt more mature, but it felt like, like an elevated Pokemon game. Yeah. More mature, but like elevated. Good for the older crowd, such as myself who's been playing Pokemon for a very long time. Don't give your age away. I'm 200,000 years old. Speaking of things that are 200,000 years old, how old is Odin? Can you Google that for me real quick while I'm talking? pretty old. I mean, he's like ageless, right? I don't know what that means, though. Um, oh, God. How old is Odin? Give me a lot of answers. Okay, well, I'll start talking about my next entry while Kelly comes up with a definitive answer. My next entry is God of War Ragnarok. This game, I don't know how to talk about this game specifically. I liked it less than a lot of people. The critical reception is absolutely insane for this game. And I do think that like the story is very well written, very well acted. A lot of the character relations are really nice. The combat does feel really good in most scenarios. Um, there's a lot of fluff in the middle of this game, which I think hurt it quite a bit. I think this game, if it was like 15 hours instead of 25 to 30, it would be well served. Um, but as it stands, I still liked it. I think that the latter chunk gets really good, whereas some of the middle is not as good. I think it has higher highs than God of War 2018, but also lower lows. It's more of a roller coaster, if you will. Um, it still was fantastic, and I did appreciate the father-son dynamic. I think this is the best written Kratos I've ever been. I feel like in the last game, it was less about Kratos and more about um, Atreus and like how Kratos reacted to him, whereas in this one, I feel like Kratos has some actual thoughts of his own, and he reacts to things more interestingly. And Christopher Judge, despite being unable to uh, restrain himself at the Game Awards, did give an incredible performance in this game. And I also love Odin who Kelly's about to tell us the age of. It's He's really old. I mean, I don't know if you're talking about, like, the age of the myth or not necessarily the, the myth. I the guy. Odin the man. All right. Well, probably older than Kelly, who is 200,000 years old. Definitely older than me, who's 200,000 years old. Um, I'm not 200,000 years old, but I can travel at 200,000 miles per hour because I have played Neon White. I bet oh. you thought I was going to nominate Sonic Frontiers after that. Wrong. Uh, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Neon White is a first-person shooter, level-based game that really encourages speed running. It has uh, 
a counter on screen, and then every time that you finish a level, you can instantly restart with the press of a button. Or if you're not happy with how a run is going, boom, hit that button, you're restarting. It's incredible. I love that the way this game feels. The uh, mechanics are polished to a shining beauty of a video game, and I loved this game so deeply. I will acknowledge that the worst part of the game is like the writing and story. They are for somebody. Um, they're corny. They're based on anime tropes. And they're very, it's silly, but it's just not for me. That's for sure. If you are interested in like fast games, though, this is an absolute must. I loved it a lot. If you took the gameplay out and made me forget the story, I would remember this game as like a perfect game in a lot of senses. So that's that nomination down. Kelly? Yes. What do you what do you usually drink out of? What do I usually drink out of? Oh, a cup. <laughs> Sorry, I was watching Neon White gameplay. When you talk about games that you've played, I like to throw on like a walkthrough. Yeah. So I can get a good feel for it. And I was very distracted by the gameplay. I'm not gonna lie to you. Because it looks so cool. It's very fast. Uh yeah. but no, I usually drink out of a cup or a mug or um, chalice. A chalice. I've never drank out of a chalice <laughs> except for maybe like at First Communion. But. Uh, Kelly, Cuphead, The Delicious Last Course, the big DLC. So this is kind of cheating because it's DLC for Cuphead came out this year. I adored it. I thought it was perfect. It is exactly what you'd expect from more Cuphead. The visuals are, again, incredible, just like the original. The gameplay is polished. The gameplay is fun. The gameplay is fast. The gameplay is painful. It's quite difficult still. Uh, the new character, Miss Chalice, who's being added to the the roster of Cuphead and Mugman, is very fun and has some interesting, unique mechanics with her dash. Um, I loved this DLC. I thought it could have been longer because, you know, I can always use more Cuphead, but... It was really cool, and I did like what it did to shake up the Cuphead formula. The, the bosses felt even more thought out than the original game, and there was also some, like, claymation that was super cool. And I look forward to what's next from the studio, but as it stands, oh my god, great job, guys. Loved this a lot. Woo! Kelly, Bayonetta 2 is one of my favorite games ever. No, it's maybe my favorite game ever. Oh. I played it in 2014. I loved it. 2017 came around, Jeff Keighley, Game Awards, happening, Reggie comes up on stage, Reggie says, hey, Jeff, here's the Bayonetta 1 and 2 port to the Switch, and everybody goes, woo, and then he says, Jeff, you're stupid if you think that's all I have. Oh, wow. Did he and say that? He, he did say, like, he was like, do you really think I'm going to come all the way up here just to reveal one thing? And then he revealed a teaser for Bayonetta 3, which we now know had not started development when they announced it yet Ugh. because we then waited five full years to actually get the game and we did this october we got bayonetta 3 definitely my most anticipated game of, of a long time it lived up to my expectations almost completely which you know maybe that sounds like a bad thing but my expectations were oh my goodness they were high extremely extremely high so the fact that this game achieved that was super exciting. I loved what they did, specifically because I've already talked about this game so extensively and really not that long ago. The one thing I want to point out is how much I love the demon summoning mechanic. 
So when you hold a trigger as Bayonetta, you start controlling just the demon. And then Bayonetta's doing like a little dance to control that demon in the foreground, but she's vulnerable, and you have to focus on both what the demon is doing to attack your enemies, this giant creature, and also making sure that enemies don't sneak up on Bayonetta and hurt you. Um, that mechanic is super fun and was one of the most fun things I did in the game. There also is an accessory that you can equip to Bayonetta very late in the game that allows you to act independently from that demon. That mechanic just absolutely shakes the game up entirely and allows you to be brutally, brutally damaging and do insane things to the to the enemies. And that's really the only thing I want to give like major credit to now, again, because I've talked about it so much and recently in the grand scheme of things. But I'm just glad this game came out and, and functioned how it did and was so fun. So credit to Bayonetta 3 for living up to my absurdly, stupidly large expectations. Thanks, Bayonetta. Thanks, Bayonetta. Thank you, Bayonetta. Like she's a person. Thank and you, we Bayonetta. Are political candidates. This Kelly message is brought saluting. to you by Bayonetta. Wait, does that mean Bayonetta's thanking Bayonetta? Uh, yes. Th thank you, Kelly, for thanking Bayonetta for thanking Bayonetta. Exactly. So you get it. My next nominee, I'm just going to slap an award because we don't have awards on it on this show, like specific awards, but I'm going to slap an award on it for biggest surprise of 2022. Vampire Survivors was so fun. It was so freaking fun to play through. It is a visual mess and it feels so good to just look at and to hear. And I cannot recommend it highly enough to anybody, especially now it's available for free on mobile. Like, just download it on your phone. If you haven't played it already, please play this game. It's super cool, and the developers deserve a lot of credit. I hope that this game continues to get more popular. I feel like it already has grown a lot more since its inception, and I just I just love this game. I love this game, and I don't know what to say. It just, it just burned, like, a, a slot into my actual, the folds of my brain, <laughs> and it will permanently sit in there, and, like, I didn't play it that that much because I knew if I let myself, I would go crazy playing this game hours every day for the rest of my life. And I didn't get it on my phone for the same reason because I'd like be at work and be like, hmm, what if I just like whipped out Vampire Survivors while I'm supposed to be working? But as it stands, oh my God, this was like probably the worst review I'm doing of this entire episode because I'm just saying, oh my God, a bunch and saying how cool <laughs> it is. But it is so cool. Oh my God, guys. It's incredible. Please give this game a shot. If you want to play on console, it's free on Game Pass. It's also very cheap on PC. And now it's free on mobile. So definitely give it a try if you haven't already. That's Vampire Survivors. Ooh. Kelly, I'm passing the baton. The baton's yours. Baton is yours. Go. Oh, wow. Well, don't go fast, though, because we're not racing. Okay. So the baton analogy isn't really working. Okay. Gonna have to workshop that one. Gonna have to put it through training camp. Okay. That's I was wondering how you're getting back. <laughs> um, the next game on both of our lists is uh Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes, which was the uh Warrior the Fire Emblem Warriors game that came out this year. Um that explored a explored an alternate path. Um one where you play as Shez, uh, who has terribly saturated purple hair. Just kidding. It's not hey, that bad. It's not that bad. It's a joke. I love the purple. 
it would be nicer if it was like lavender. Can you imagine? That'd be so cute. I, I mean, I, it'd be nice if you could just choose. Yeah, nice. yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, obviously this is a different um, direction for, well, it's not necessarily a different direction for Fire Emblem because there have been Warriors games before in the series, but uh, the using the Three Houses cast was sort of interesting. Um, obviously a lot of divergences from canon, like in the story. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, the gameplay is very fun. It's very quick. It took me a little while to get a hang, get, get, get a handle on it, get the hang of it. Uh, but once you do, it's a lot of fun. Um, and a little bit addicting. Cause you're like, I can do this. No, I can do this. I can do this one now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this game. I think it is, uh, for me, who typically wouldn't go for this type of game, I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, partially just because it's a cast of characters that I enjoy um, and that I already know. So I think that helps. But uh, yeah, Andrew, what did you think of Fire Emblem Three Hopes? I agree with everything you said i think the only thing that i'm different on is like you were explaining like oh like it took me a minute to like get into it but ultimately i stuck to it because of the characters i agree but i had that exact experience like two warriors games ago because i played hyrule warriors age of calamity in 2020 and then i played uh persona 5 strikers last year and i now know like if you put a cast of characters I like into Warriors games, I'm going to love it. So the second I see that that's announced, I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. So I knew going into this game I was going to feel that way. Um, so I kind of feel like I had the same experience as you did, but I had mine in like November of 2020, and you had yours <laughs> this year with this game. Yes. Um, I really liked what it changed with the series, and I thought it was super cool. I also like, I think Shez was a better antagonist, or sorry, protagonist than Byleth, because uh, they talk a lot more. Yeah. Have a personality. Like, yeah. I ended up liking liking that character a lot, which is really cool considering I assumed they would be like a blank slate. So. Yeah. That's another nominee. Fire Emblem Warriors. Three hopes. There's three of them. One, two, All three hopes. All three. I was less motivated to play it three times than the original game. Yeah. I don't think it did as much to make it interesting. Yeah. But. Even That's... the original game, it can get kind of exhausting by the time you're, like, on your third playthrough, which for me was the Black Eagles. I was kind of like, whew. Yeah. I wish there was a more streamlined way to replay. Yeah. So. My next entry is sort of another cheat because Inscription did technically release last year, but I don't have a PC, and it released on console this year. I thought inscription was absolutely incredible super special game i don't want to say a lot i'm going to leave this one pretty unspoken because i think this game is subversive in really interesting ways if you must look stuff up only look at like a basic trailer don't look at any long form gameplay footage and be careful even looking it up because there's a lot to be spoiled and a lot of interesting stuff happens in this game play inscription if you haven't it's a card-based roguelite, but it's also so much more, and I don't want to say much more than that, but it is very high up on my list, and it is nominated for Game of the Year, so let it be, at, you know, let that be it. 
Let that be what convinces you to play Inscription if you haven't already. Callie's so excited that she punched her microphone viciously. Yeah, you know me. I love to punch my microphone. Yeah. Other people who like to punch their microphone are uh, the cast members of Triangle Strategy. I don't know. I don't get what I just did. I don't know what that bit was. I'm not sure either. Maybe they just like to punch, not necessarily punch the microphone. I mean, they use swords, but... Maybe they like to punch the... No, I really Triangle don't. Strategy is a, a new tactics game. I'm sorry for cutting you off, Kelly. A new tactics game <laughs> from the 2D HD team over at Square Enix. They release games like they're nothing. They just have games coming out every other week now, and they're all incredible somehow. I loved this game a lot. I thought that the story provided really meaningful choices, but not overwhelmingly so. It wasn't like there was a billion choices. It was just a couple paths here and there that were very different from each other. And honestly, as an adult with not a lot of time, I prefer that. I prefer being like, oh, I can, you know, it's, it's two choices. It's straightforward. I can just do one, do the other, and be done. Versus games that have like a billion, and I'm like, oh... I don't have time. But that's not a problem with this game. I loved the combat. I thought it was super well designed. And I loved like specifically the mechanics of uh, like terrain were really well implemented in this game. And I loved what I experienced. This team is one of my favorite in the industry now. Like if I see that 2D HD style, I know I'm in on a game now from the get go. And this game was probably the one that solidified that the, the most because I loved Octopath. But between Octopath Live Alive and now this game it's just it's just an incredible team and I love what they've done that's triangle strategy Kelly just did a triangle looks like Illuminati on my screen Uh. that's a really nice triangle that's a really good triangle Kelly you guys can't see it but I'm making a really good triangle right now with my hands speaking of cults I took place in a cult this year Oh. Of the Lamb. Oh. <laughs> Cult of the Lamb came out this year. I played it. I loved it. I think the mechanics of its roguelike combat, and then between runs, you get to manage your little village, your little cult full of adorable little uh, animals that worship you, the Lamb. I can't recommend this game enough if you like roguelikes. I can't recommend this game enough if you like like civilization management, even on a small scale. It is adorable to look at, but also kind of gross and scary. And I think that's the perfect combination. I loved this game. It was it was short for a roguelite, and I thought that served it well because it didn't overstay its welcome. And I really appreciated everything that I experienced in this game. My quote that I've said like a billion times in reviews and like things I've written is this game is not a master of any trade. Like it's a jack of all trades, master of none, but really good at the trades, you know? It's not a good quote. I don't know why I keep repeating it. Like, it's messy. <laughs> uh, that's Cult of the Lamb. Next, oh. next nominee. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut, off, cut you off again. It's okay. The audience is going to send in, like, letters to me about cutting you off too much. <laughs> My next nominee for Game of the Year 2022 is Kirby and the Forgotten Land. This game's adorable. It is a perfect transition into 3D for Kirby. It has a lot more, uh, it has a lot akin to like 3D World, Super Mario 3D World. So it's like linear level designs. And I appreciate that a lot. I thought it was super fun, adorable to look at, really exciting evolution of Kirby. And I'm looking forward to whatever is next for this boy. I cannot 
wait. And I hope that they keep growing from here. You know what we talked about last time we talked about Kirby? No. Him being confused for Jigglypuff. Thank you, Jigglypuff. <laughs> Thank you, Jigglypuff. You do a better impression. We'll let you have that one. <laughs> cut mine out. Cut mine out. Cut it. Editor, cut it. Cut it. Editor, do not cut out my next nominee, that being Metal Hellsinger, which I also have not talked about on the show. I played this game after the game. Award. Wait, did I talk about this? No. Okay. I can't keep straight. I played this game last week. It's on Game Pass now. Well, it's always been on Game Pass, but now it's on Xbox One as well as Xbox Series X. So I played it finally. I loved this game. It's like a rhythm-based Doom. That's the only way I can describe it is like take the idea of Doom, high octane demon shooting, and combine it with a rhythm game because you have to keep rhythm with your gunshots to increase like your increase the power and make sure that you are effective. Um, I'm very bad at this game. So there is a mode that allows all of your shots to be on beat so that when you start the game, you can kind of learn the ropes without losing horribly. Um, I recommend that for new people. But it's such a perfect blend of two different formulas, and I was really happy with the game start to finish. Also, Troy Baker's in it, and he does a pretty bad job. But that has nothing to do with it. Oh, Wow. Yeah, he's pretty bad. Get him. I got him. Get him Uh, again. If you want some other bad voice performances um, (laughs) in a good game, Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. I had to nominate this game. I had to nominate it. This game is the worst, but also the best. Uh, The story is, it's dumb. Jack, the main character's name is Jack. He looks so generic that you wouldn't, like, you can't even believe. You look at him, you're like, what is that? What's that? And he says chaos. Probably 14,000 times. Did he kill it? Did he kill chaos? I'm not going to tell you what happens at the end of the game. Oh, sorry. This game's really special in the worst and best way. I thought it was going to be trash, and it ended up being one of my favorite games of the year. So credit to the team for this weird little product they made. It makes me a little sad because I want to play more Team Ninja games, and like this combat style is really fun, but this is the only one with an easy mode, and I don't have the patience to learn a new like Souls-like combat style, another one. So I'm just going to leave it there. I'll play Final Fantasy Origin and be happy. So that's Final Fantasy or Paradise Stranger of Origin. Wow. Did you like that joke? Um, Yeah, could use a little bit of workshopping, but that's okay. Okay, I'll fix it in the next episode when we redo this. <laughs> We're going to redo our lists. Yeah. I'm going to play so. all the games that came out in 2022, and then I'll actually have a very full, fully fleshed out nominee list. Well, is there maybe a, a certain game on both of our nominees lists? The last game on perhaps both of our nominee lists that you played a lot that maybe made it so you couldn't play other games because you were playing it so much? No, that those were all the games that came out in 2022. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to our games. With Kelly <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't go away. Don't click away. Oh, sorry. I, I walked away from the microphone. I thought we were done. Uh, it was a joke. I was telling a joke. Um, ah, that's funny. little game came out in February ah. called Elden Ring by From Software. A uh, lot to I say. I don't think I've ever heard you call it not Smelden Ring. A lot has already been said by me <laughs> calling it Smelden Ring. Not because it smells, <laughs> but because it's fun to say. Um, 
there's so much that I have said and will say about this game, but it's just like I am amazed at how much fun I actually had. Souls games are really, I mean, obviously, I don't have to say this, but they're difficult. Um, and that's the point. But the reward for learning and observing and getting better is 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 just like so good. It makes everything worth it. The design of this game is incredible. The sound design, the music, the 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 enemy design, the armor, the and everything about the game um to me is a masterpiece. I know some people have issue with certain narrative elements, but um, I actually felt like this was arguably one of the most straightforward, if not the most straightforward story set in a Souls game. Um, if you guys played, like, Dark Souls 1, I mean, they really gave you s- scraps there. Um, whereas with Elden Ring, you know, I, I felt that there was a stronger connection to the world, um, which I'm sure was helped a, a lot by having such a strong narrative voice um, with the sort of pre-shattering lore with uh, like George R. R. Martin. Mm, and then yeah. obviously building on that with what we see actually happening in the game with uh, with the FromSoft writers and Miyazaki had in mind. So I love this game. I haven't, I haven't played it in a while. I probably haven't played it since like April or May. Um, but I would like to revisit and do another playthrough because my last playthrough was Magic. And some people claim, and I'm not one of them, and I'm not saying anything, some people claim that the game is easier if you use magic. Um, so I do want to try and play it again and do a build that is maybe a, a little bit more difficult. Yeah. I don't even know what to say about this game to some extent. Like, it's perfect. It's perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just so meticulously designed and so deliberate. I loved every second I spent in the world. And like, I had to pull myself away from this game because like, it was at a point where I was like, I could just play this game forever. I could play just this game forever. You Mm -hmm. know, there's so much to see and so much to explore. And all of it is so well realized. Like the only I mean, I guess I'll say the one problem with this game is there's a certain amount of recycling content. But even so, like, it's not so much recycling that it's, like, makes the game unplayable. It's just sometimes you'll walk into a boss chamber and be like, oh, I've I've seen you. Right. But it's not, like, frustration. It's not, like, bad. It's just, you know, an oh. But there's so much original content that, like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I would add to that. I understand because I have the same, like, not complaint, but I had the same criticism almost that there is recycled bosses and recycled content, but but there is, they are always presented differently. Yeah. Like I think of like every God skin fight that I, that they, the game just like tortures you with. They're all in different arenas. There's all yeah. different uh, play styles that you kind of have to modify to do them. Like there's I one that's really easy because you're in a big wide open space and you're only fighting one. And then there's one where you're in an enclosed space and you're fighting one and it's harder. There's one when you're on a bridge, there's one when you're um, in a really small compact room and there's two of them. I mean, it's, there's, it's very, it's, it's variable and that, that makes it different 
to the extent where it doesn't necessarily feel as recycled as like, okay, here's the same boss in the same room. You just have to fight it again. Second phase it's, or whatever. Yeah, it's like wise reuse. They know that they only have so many resources, so they instead of re and designing a whole new boss, they're like, well, what if we, you know, repurpose this boss in a new setting and make it interesting, like you were saying. Right. So I and the game's like so incredible outside of that one slight qualm that it's like, well, I'm not going to complain about that. I'm not going to complain about that. The combat is perfect. The world is perfect. Mm -hmm. You know. And the, the open worldness of it, it. I know a lot of people were kind of wary because. No Souls game has been open world before this. Um, I think they like nailed it in a way that is like it's it's absurd how hard they nailed it for it being they, their first open world game. Exactly. They did better in their first open world than like a lot of studios that have only done open worlds. Right. It's incredible. Kelly, twenty twenty two is over. We are not playing any more games that we're gonna talk about in this nomination list at least. Why don't we go ahead and uh, declare of our nominee lists what both of our game of the years are? Oh, should we should we say it on on three? Like one, two, three. Da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's do it. You okay. count. Okay. One, two, three. Elden, Elden Ring. Ring. Elden Ring. Yeah, it's Elden Ring. It's Elden. <laughs> of course it's Elden How Ring. How could it not be? Let's be serious. This is a really exciting game of the year time because the nominations are really cool and there's so many interesting games that came out this year, but the results of all of the game of the year awards are going to be very boring this year because it's going to be like Elden Ring, of course. What what do you say? It's perfect. I really if you didn't see this coming, well, I guess like Bayonetta 3 would probably be the one where everybody's like, well, maybe Andrew would pick that. But, <laughs> but it went up against Elden Ring. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like next year will be tough. There's going to be a lot of good games coming out next year. I felt like this year was not as tough because um, Elden Ring was such a strong uh -huh, entry. And... um not saying that the others weren't but it's like it's almost like a cheat it's like a cheat it's like yeah. oh well like somebody what... enter cheat codes right at the start and then you're like well i guess the game's over even though it's february <laughs> yeah like if bloodborne 2 came out in 2023 that would almost assuredly be my game of the year um because it would be bloodborne 2 blood harder well, turn tune in in 2023 at the in one year to hear what Kelly's game of the year is and if it's gonna be Bloodborne two, what'd you say, Blood Harder? Blood Harder. Yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe it'll be that. Maybe it'll be Dragon Age four. Ha 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 I think we should probably hurry up and wrap up after that comment. <laughs> Everybody, thank you for a year of talking games with Kelly and Andrew. We have one more episode this calendar year wait what week is it, it did is... i just lie to you no we have one more episode this this calendar year for you after this one sorry i got confused um and then we'll have another special the first week of january i will reserve my big old end of year thanks for next week but this is the last normal news reporting episode of Talking Games for 2022.
That was Kelly Wooing. Woo! Congratulations to Eldon Ye- (laughs) (laughs) To what? (laughs) I really- It's the end of the episode and I just completely flubbed my line. And it's not even written down. Eldon Ying? (laughs) Eldon Ying. Congratulations to the official Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew Game of the Year Elden Ring. It's exciting because both of us have the same one, so we can give it that like singular award. Woo! Congratulations, FromSoft. I know Miyazaki's a big fan of the show. Um, <laughs> Miyazaki, come on the show. I want to hear what you thought about that guy storming the stage. Um, he was probably we'll like, it. "What's going on? I'm never yeah, coming like, back I here." <laughs> I don't speak English. What is he saying? <laughs> I'm never coming back to the Game Awards for the rest of my probably. life. Probably. That's probably what he said. Maybe. anyway thank you guys for listening we'll see you next week for another special episode of talking games i was waiting for kelly to take over so there was that long long uh (laughs) breathing pause hey thanks for listening everybody (laughs) to our last uh normal-esque episode this year uh excited to see you hope you have a happy holiday plural and uh oh yeah merry christmas if you're uh if you celebrate that ho 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 happy hanukkah happy kwanzaa happy new year well we'll do the new year next week anyway bye <laughs> oh oh oh